This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to the Blood Red podcast after that Liverpool 4 Barcelona nil. It actually happened. I'm not even sure how we're going to put that into words, but we will try. Uh, I'm Sean Bradbury, your host for today, and I have with me our full-time correspondent for Liverpool, both home and away, Anim Cooley's at 3am. It is James <laughs> Pearce. How are you feeling, Jay? Feeling fresh? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, Sean. Yourself? Uh, decent, yeah. We also have St. Helens Finest, Ian Doyle. Doyle, have you recovered from last night yet? Uh, I've recovered from last night, but I haven't recovered from the cold yet. So. Right, okay. So it's, it's a bit one of down, a, one yeah, exactly. What a yeah, warrior. Yeah. 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 He's yeah. still here. <laughs> he's, he's surging on. And we have Friends of the Stars, Kiva O'Neill. Kiva, tell us about your Hollywood encounter last night, first of all. Well, I met Michael Fassbender. Wow. Or he met me, rather, to say. <laughs> but yeah, it was a... I mean, because of the game, it was like less... It was like less significant in my life, it, almost because the game was like the biggest thing to ever happen. And then I met Michael Fassbender. Wow. It's a shame they both happened on the same night. I, really, I know, yeah. I was like, bloody yeah. hell, Mike, you have like, you know. Spread it out a little bit, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure he's saying the same thing right now about you, wherever he is, Mr. Fassbender. Uh, Jay, we'll, we'll start with you. Sum that one up for us. In your post match verdict, you said this win belongs in a class of its own. Just how special a night did Danfield witness yesterday? Yeah, I, I think it was the greatest night Anfield has ever has ever staged I think um, you, you try and think back to what you've seen yourself and you know obviously and before that think back to tales you've read and footage you've seen of you know things from before my time like St Etienne and, um, and I don't think anything comes close I just think when you put all the components together you know it's not just the three goal deficit it's the fact it's Barcelona you know it's, it's a team regarded as up there with the the best club teams in world football. It's Lionel Messi, the, the greatest player, certainly of his generation, if not, who's ever played the game. And a Liverpool team without Mo Salah, without Roberto Firmino, without Naby Keita, without Andy Robertson for the second half. Mm. Um, and then you throw into the mix the fact that those Barcelona players had had last weekend off, that <laughs> Liverpool had an energy-sapping, intense game up at Newcastle. So to steamroll a Barcelona like that, and it wasn't lucky, that was the thing. Like I, I, I must admit, I'm a... I'd say in general, a quite an optimistic person <laughs> and the glass tends to be half full, but I went to Anfield with pretty much zero belief that, mm. that Liverpool could pull off something like that. And um, I've never been more happy to be proved wrong. Mm. Dolly, what was it like to, to cover that match last night? In, in your analysis, you deemed it the new defining European night in, in Liverpool history at Anfield. Mm. Have you ever reported on or, or witnessed anything like that before? Well, I'm, you know, I'm, as everybody likes to tell me on this podcast, I'm old. Uh, so I've been to quite a few of these games. I, I went to Wazir in 91. I was there for Olympiacos and Chelsea in 2004-05. Obviously, there was the Dortmund game as well. I've heard the stories, as James has, of San Etienne. My me, me, me dad always says that that's the one for him. And I think for people my age, or people who've, who've followed Liverpool or, or support Liverpool, they say the 2005 Chelsea won in the semi-final, but... I think this one perhaps tops it for all those reasons that James has said. Is that it was, it was just because it was such a surprise as well. I mean, the cop and the, and the whole crowd were up for it at the start of the game, but they it was kind of like let's just let's just see what happens here, wasn't it? It was one of those games. Klopp said afterwards, how he was asked, how did you manage to win that game? And he says, well, we didn't look at it thinking, oh, we need to score four. Like they just took it a step at a time, mm. and it's like the crowd did that as well. They got involved from the start. I mean, the first ten minutes was even without the goal, it was pretty manic on the pitch, and they were feeding off what was happening in the stands. But I would go as far to say it's not just Liverpool's defining European night, it's the defining night in, at Anfield in, in terms of the entire history of all competitions. 
And Kiva, you were there as a fan last night. Have you ever been to a game like that before? How, how did it feel to be part of part of the crowd on such an amazing night? That was uh, categorically the best night of my life. <laughs> Honestly, it was just wonderful. I've never experienced nothing like that. As soon as I got out the taxi at the ground, you could feel this sort of like energy just sort of building and everyone sort of felt like, you know, this is over. We're not going to, we're not going to keep them out. We might score five or whatever, but we're not going to keep them out for more. They'll score two or three, you know, after last week, the way they just sort of slowly lulled us into thinking that we were, we were doing okay. And then they scored three and it was just like, okay. Um, So yeah, it was just... I can't even, I think for me, the games that I've been, Dortmund was obviously up there, but that was a different kind of game because they'd scored and we sort of come back on the night where we had to come back from six days of thinking, we're not doing this. And then, oh my God, we are doing this. And it just, you just, from that first goal, I knew it was happening. I just thought, this is it, it's going to happen. Then Messi ran with the ball a few times and thought, (laughs) oh my God, like I want to close my eyes. But obviously I never, and Messi just didn't quite look himself, did he? And Although he did as well, because when he had the ball, I was like, he's the best player I've ever seen. Just because he just seems, it's like a magnet to his feet, isn't it? And, you know, them lads last night, just just so proud of them. Like, I can't even, you can't even describe how amazing that was. And to be there, but wherever you was watching it, you know how important and how special that night is for Liverpool Football Club. And, you know, we sort of spoke about these comebacks in the past six days, haven't we? You know, you sort of, you cling on to something. They gave us something to cling on to there. That'll go down in history is the greatest ever for me. I mean, I I was made up for the players. I mean, me and James have done, I think you've not missed any game this season, have you, James? And I think I've missed six, I think it is. But so we've seen basically nearly all of them. And uh, you knew what effort that they've put in to get to the to situation where they are now because bear in mind the game on Tuesday was played less than well less started less than 24 hours after what happened to Manchester City mm. against against Leicester which would have been a blow to Liverpool's players because they would have thought well you know there's a chance here that City could drop points and we could be back in command in the, in the Premier League title race but you know that that's still to come on Sunday but yeah I was delighted for the players because the, the, the amount of effort they've put in and for what happened in Barcelona I, I think everybody even the Barcelona players and the manager said it wasn't a 3-0 game was it mm. I mean it was not hindsight or being clever after the event to say that Liverpool were the better team on the night they just didn't take the chances whereas you look at it on uh, on Tuesday night at Anfield Barcelona did have some chances as Kiba said Messi in particular Alisson had made some great saves to be fair to him and uh, that lovely grey kiss. Yeah, yes, which which you know you <laughs> cannot buy, and he's no. never going to wear again. Although I suspect he might be wearing it again if if he plays like that. <laughs> um, but they had the chances, Barcelona. They didn't take them. Liverpool had their chances, and it's the the way that the goal the goals were just totally different. Look at the the first one is it's basically through the a mistake by Barcelona <laughs> that's capitalised by the pressure of Liverpool. Henderson runs onto it, forces the save. Origi's there. I mean, the second one was took a bit of a deflection on the cross from from Trent, but. Wijnaldum doing what he probably doesn't do enough, and that's arriving late to the box and scoring. Third goal's a great header from him. Mm. And then the fourth one is all about Trent and his and his presence of mind, which I'm sure we'll talk about a bit later on. Absolutely. In, in terms of individuals, then, Jay, I mean, you know, like, like Kiva's said, Liverpool fans could be proud of all those lads there, but was there anyone who particularly stood out for you, or just, was it just a, a, an incredible team effort? Yeah, I just think there were there was heroic displays all over the field. I think... You know, probably Allison in terms of you know he, the the big big saves he, he made um, you know, kept kept Liverpool in with that chance because I think Barcelona had a really good spell 
kind of midway through the first half when when Messi was getting on the ball, he was making things happen. Liverpool were getting caught on the counter attack, and and that was always the fear. I thought I thought Liverpool could quite conceivably score three or four, but I, I, th- I thought with the firepower Barcelona have got, they'll score one, and then that kills the tie off. And um, yeah, he made some big big saves. I think the the, the best one was well, the one from Alba just before mm-hmm. half time when you know, that that just kills it. If Alba puts that away, but he's so quick to come off his line and shut down the angle. Um, and even even the one from Coutinho that you know you, you compare that to to Henderson's strike that Ter Stegen just pushes it straight back out into the path of, of Origi. Allison doesn't with the Coutinho one. I think it was Suarez lurking. He, he gets a real big strong hand on it and pushes it right to the side and away from danger. Um, so yeah, I mean, you need big players to step up and deliver on nights like that. And but they did it all across the pitch. I mean, Joel Matip. You know, I, I felt guilty this morning having not really written about him and my stuff because I thought <laughs> he was unbelievable. When you think for a player that was Liverpool's fourth choice centre back six months ago, and you know, and I, I you know, I, I thought he's, a, you know, I, I felt like he's a bit flaky. He doesn't, you know, he, sometimes he gets bullied. He's not strong enough. And then out of nowhere, since Christmas, he's been been unbelievable. And you know, Van Dijk, you almost take him for granted because he is, he operates on such a high level, so consistently. And then. You know the the midfield. I thought, you know, they they couldn't have done any more. Fabino just absolutely, you know, different different class in terms of the put the, the shift he put in. Same with Jordan Henderson. I think must be a strong contender for the, the best game he's ever had for Liverpool mm. in his eight years at the club. Um, and then you know the likes of Divokarigi and Shakiri, and you, you think what a huge ass for them. They haven't played a huge amount of football to be thrown into a game of that magnitude and that intensity, but. But they delivered. And um, yeah, I mean, Klopp said in the build-up that Liverpool had to be perfect if they were going to pull it off. And that we, we witnessed perfection. There was one album as well, James. He'd have scored one or two. Yeah, goals. I suppose yeah. you'd have to give him yeah. a pass and mention this one. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean... I'd have got two like, minutes. Yeah, I mean, again, like... You could tell with Wijnaldum. Like, I think I think he was. I think that was partly fueled by being left out the starting lineup as well. Because mm. you know, I think that would have. <laughs> you, you'd have to feel from wouldn't you the fact that he's been played out of position in the new camp in the first leg. Probably thought. Well, you know, I think Klopp said himself he was surprised when he was told, "Yeah, you're, you're playing centre forward," and then to to do a job there in in kind of uh, you know in in a role that he's not completely used to, then to be left out of the second leg. You know, I think he would have taken that as a bit of an affront. But you know what a response from him. I mean, for a player who the criticism has always been that he doesn't affect games enough in the final third. There's not enough goals, not enough assists. You know, he's only to what three, I think, in all competitions all season before last night. And then he pulls out those two goals, and you know, both of them are unbelievable as well. You know, the, mm-hmm. the desire he showed for the first one to shrug off. I think it was Vidal, um, and absolutely hammer that low shot past Ter Stegen. And then the second one, you, know, you won't see a, a better header than that all season. You know. The, Great delivery from Shakiri, um, and he absolutely nailed it into the top corner. And that was that was the key moment for me when Aldum's second one because you know, the Barcelona's players at that moment looked utterly, you know, ashen faced and defeated. I think their body language was terrible. You know, it, it, it's, it's strange to think now that was effectively, you know, that was making it nil nil effectively in the mm-hmm. tie. They weren't even behind at that point, but they looked beaten, and, and that was testament to what Liverpool had done to them. Kiva, when when you saw that team sheet drop, no Firmino, no Salah, did did you honestly believe the Reds could could do it and could pull that off? I did have a positive feeling about Origi because of the Newcastle goal, and I just thought he's he's just got something about him at the minute. 
Um, but then you sort of like, no Salah, like, no Firmino, how are we going to score? But, you know, we did. Um, the moment that I really loved and I think set the tone for the game, just to go off on one of you, um, was when, when, Andy Ro- <laughs> when Andy Robertson sort of gave Messi a little slap. Oh, yeah. little, little and I feel like, remember when, was it Trent or something similar in like maybe against Man City or something where he just nudged someone? I can't quite remember it, but. Those, would have been Sammy, wouldn't it? If it was yeah, the, I think the, maybe like a tackle panel. or yeah, something. Yeah. And I feel like Robertson learned from last week that sort of dark arts that Barcelona employ. And I feel like Robertson's gone away and thought, right, I'm going to give these a little bit here. Because I feel like Robertson is our sort of hope of that. In a nice way, sort of like the player who can unlock that, like sort of, I'm going to give him a little elbow in the back and that. Um, and he sort of just slapped Messi and I thought, and Messi was like going mad on the floor. Robertson was just like, yeah, get up, come on. And then obviously him and Suarez clashed again. I was going to say, Fabinho put him on the floor, didn't he? That's why Messi was there, so. Yeah, and then Robertson just goes past and hits him on the head and then Messi's like doing all this sort of, you know, amateur dramatics and uh, yeah, so that's me a little bit about Andy Robertson going off on one. Somebody just pointed out to me before that the two Wijnaldum goals were scored in the same minutes as... Steven Gerrard and Vladimir Spicer scored against AC Milan. Oh, 54 and 56. Mad. There you have it. Omen. There you go. We'll take that. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> for that. It can't, yeah. can't be an omen. It's finished. <laughs> they, they did it. <laughs> well, this is true. What does it mean? Uh, it would mean everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, staying with you, Doily, you alluded to it before. There was one man you almost gave 11 out of 10 to in your ratings last night, and he did something very, very clever, very special for the fourth goal. Yes, Trent. I mean... He's kind of just come into his own, I think, the last couple of last couple of weeks. Uh, I mean, again, even he didn't play in in the Camp Nou, James. Not the new camp; it's the Camp Nou. It's not. It's it the is, new camp. It is the it's Camp not. Nou. It is. It is. Anyway, he didn't play in Barcelona in the first game, and, and funny if I asked Klopp about this after the Newcastle game, and I think he thought I was going to ask him something else, and he kind of won't say went off on one, but he wasn't very happy with the question. Anyway, but he said that Trent's a very smart person. He's a very, very, very smart boy. He'll know why I wasn't playing, and he'll know that I don't treat Newcastle different to Barcelona. So Trent responds with what he did, two assists, wasn't it, against Newcastle? And then this game here, I mean, he's 20 years old. He's 20 years old, and he's already played in a World Cup. Okay, slightly dead rubber, but he was there in the first place. He's played in a Champions League final. He's going to be playing in another one. He's playing regularly for a Liverpool team that's going to set, or already has set, the best ever Premier League points tally ever, that could still win the league. You know, still got this one game to go. But he just seemed to be like head and shoulders. Well, he was head and shoulders above all of the Barcelona players. I mean, he's, obviously, he's a different type of player to Messi. But whereas, in, in some ways, I know this this probably not everyone will agree with me on this. I kind of felt a little bit sorry for Messi. I thought he played. He thought he played quite well, and he was like yeah. he, every, he, every every all their threat. Came yeah, through it all came through, him and you yeah. could tell he was. And he wasn't getting. I don't think he was getting affected by the atmosphere. Although, if you watch, uh, I think a clip of where the teams are, are lining up and the, the cop are singing. Uh, Messi takes a moment just to like turn and, and have a look and have a look ah, at the flags and all of that. Yeah, yeah. Remember Man United <laughs> yeah, yeah, players yeah. all done that and didn't <laughs> he go had a quick, He had a quick gla- glance. But, you know, so, okay, felt sorry for him. Different play to, to Trent, but Trent just outshone him the way that he went around things. I mean, there was one thing that some people haven't really got onto. I know it's, it's just a slight moment is where he played this mental crossfield pass from right fullback to. I can't remember it was on the left. It could have been even Milner. Obviously, in the second half, he 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 was left up, but he'd kind of gone up, and he just did like just swept out as if it was nothing. Like it was like you know Gerard esque in, in, in execution. But for the fourth goal, I mean, it was so clever, wasn't it? The the presence of mind to kind of see what was going on. I mean, I know we've we've done stories about the ball boy and fair play to, fair play to him for, for for sorting that out. But that was about 
making the most of it. That's that's what Klopp loves. That he's, what game was it recently where he? I know what it was. It was the Cardiff game where they they had got that free kick and they sorted it out at the corner. That was Trent again. Oh, where they yeah, sorted it out between them themselves yeah. to to one them. So it shows obviously he's not just a good footballer, he's a very intelligent one as well. And then if if he's doing stuff like that in the semi final when. Liverpool uh, played the entire game on the edge because, as James said before, even down to the last second, if Barcelona score, they know that's basically it. Mm. Liverpool had to deal with that from the first minute to the, what was it, 95th minute by the end of the game. But Trent did look completely unfazed, just like, you know, none of the players looked particularly phased by it. I love the fact that Trent was the last Liverpool player off the pitch yeah. as well. I think mm. I think he'd still be there now if, if they hadn't the stadium. He'd still be there now. <laughs> yeah. I'd just still be there now. <laughs> he, um, you know, you know, he, he wanted to savour every single last second of that because, you know, what, what a night for him. I mean, he has, as Dolly said, you know, the experiences he's had already as a 20-year-old is just ridiculous. So that's an age when most kids are still trying to make that leap into the senior setup at mm. top flight clubs, you know, to be to be where he is at the age of 20, to preparing for his second Champions League final. And, and he, he just looks the part, doesn't he? He was, he was absolutely sensational. I mean, the, the desire he showed to win the ball back off Alba um, in the build-up as well to, what was that, when Alden's first one. And then you know, the, the, role, the role he played in the fourth goal. I mean, I actually, I actually missed it. I didn't even see it <laughs> because, you know, I, I, the last I saw was him turn away and Shakiri come towards the corner flag as if he was going to take it. And then... And wondered what on earth had, had gone on, <laughs> and, and it was you know there was like it, almost it, the, it, it dummy the jester in yeah. the press box. <laughs> it was it reminded me a little bit of Origi's goal against Everton, just in terms of like I think just a lot of people in the stadium as well, almost like a bit of a disbelief of yeah. what has just happened there. And then when you watch it back, to have the, the vision and the ingenuity and the technique as well to pull it off, um, you know I think Liverpool were onto the fact that Barcelona can be slow to. Um, to regroup and organise themselves at set pieces. Uh, and obviously, clearly the ball boys had been told to recycle the ball quickly, but it wasn't It wasn't one of those ones where the analysts had said to Trent, no, it wasn't like the Cardiff one, as, as Doyle mentioned, where they were like, that there, there's a weakness there to expose. It, it was purely down to Trent Alexander-Arnold himself seeing that opportunity and, and whipping the ball in. And, and credit to Origi as well, because I, th- I think he actually made a, a difficult finish look incredibly easy because he had to set himself very, very quickly. Um, Bounced up as well, didn't it? It wasn't, yeah. he, he did, it wasn't on the floor when he hit no, it. No, no, mm. and you know, to hit it first time, and, you know, and, he's, and I think the defender was back there as well as the, well as the keeper, and yeah, just absolutely nailed it. And um, yeah, I mean, Origi can't be far off getting a statue, can he? He's, like, <laughs> he's um, just, I mean, that story in itself, I mean, so many great stories with this squad, but, you know, for him... You know, he could have could have easily left last summer. Um, you know, I love what you said last night. Was it the fast track to legendary status or something like yeah, that? Well, it's, I think he, you know, he's not far off, is he? Because, really is. I mean, you, you I think when, the goal against Everton alone yeah. is just like yeah. I mean, and after Everton, you think well, it can't get any better for him than that, yeah. you know, because he barely kicked a ball in the first half of the season. Could have gone to Wolves. Liverpool agreed to fee with Wolves last summer. He really didn't want to go. He wanted to stay and fight. Didn't even get a look in, and then obviously. You know, he gets the crucial goal to keep the title race alive at Newcastle, and then you know that that had been beyond his wildest expectations you know, to to make a contribution like that against Barcelona. Um, but he he deserves all the adulation that uh, that came his way. And you know, it'd be interesting to see what Liverpool do would do with that now because I hope I really hope Origi does stay around. You know, he's only got a year left on his contract, and you know, I'm sure probably he would like to play more football than he does. But 
you know, he's proved himself to be such a valuable member of this squad. It wasn't just the goalter, what was it with him? I just thought his hold-up play, just his general overall, the way that he approached the game. Because you, you've also got to bear in mind that when Liverpool were reaching the Europa League final in 2016, that Dortmund game, Origi was up front, he mm. scored, didn't he? You know, he, he was the main man, wasn't he, in that particular game? And he scored in the, in the away leg as well. So Klopp knows what he can do, but as, as James, he said, I think it would be nice if he if he did stick to be honest I think it's going to be down to the player I think mm. Liverpool would be would be very happy to keep him but it's up to him whether he, he wants to you know most likely not play that often again next season or he could now have given Liverpool shown he, he's an option he can play in the way that Liverpool want to play and he can he, he, he can adapt to it surely clubs will be looking at him now as well after <clears throat> this you know Undoubtedly, I mean, it can't be not a bigger shot window, I guess, is there? Yeah. No, the Champions no, League semi final. Yeah, Barcelona could put a bit in. Mm, I loved how he, his timing was great. Like, he knew when to make runs and where to be. Like, he just seems to know at the minute, and you can't take that away from any player. Just he's in a moment, and yeah. That's through playing, though, isn't it? He's, he's playing more often on the Just the sharpness yeah, is yeah, coming. Yeah. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Um, moving on from Divock, uh, Doyle, give, give us your take on the Suarez and Coutinho factor last night. Mm. It's fair to say neither had a particularly good game. Um, Coutinho hauled off Suarez. He's he's been talking about some of his quotes after the match have been about Barcelona being forgiven for that for that game and you know the performances of the players um, and the crowd had a few choice words for Suarez <laughs> as well. How, how big a factor was that in kind of motivating Liverpool and? I think I think they'd be motivated anyway. I'll do a deal with Coutinho first. I can again. I'm just like feeling sympathy for all these Barcelona players. I can't. <laughs> don't. So, I, can, I can do. I can do. No, you can't. Yeah, I can. Just don't Why do are it. You sympathise with them. Hang on, I'm not sympathising with Suarez. Just, just rem- remember like that Coutinho. feeling. Coutinho made his bed. Let him lie in it. Remember that feeling yeah, when Messi's Messi's free kick. Just, do you remember it? Just remember that. Hold remember, on to that. I remember thinking, oh, I've got to write about this now. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Coutinho. He looked a little lost, didn't he? He looked lost in the first game. It looked like he wasn't f- not fully committed, but he was kind of conflicted. You know what I mean? It's like he, he, didn't... he was an irrelevance to that game. Yeah, exactly, because mm. he looked as though he didn't want to be there. You know, how can you not want to play in a Champions League semi-final? I'll tell you this now. If, you, if Barcelona were playing anybody else, Coutinho would have played a lot better. I think it's because it was Liverpool, for whatever reason, whether it's because Liverpool obviously know all about him and know, know what tricks he's got and kind of can, can negate him, Gomez... Did that to a degree in the first game, and you know Trent in the, on the Tuesday night certainly did. But he also he's, it's a, it's a question of character. He's that kind of character. He probably would have hurt him if he'd been getting jeered. Whereas with Suarez, I really don't think he cared. To be honest, I think he I think uh, he lives for that. He does. Mm. He feeds on it. And I, I know I saw some stuff on social media about isn't it a bit hypocritical of Liverpool fans slaughtering Suarez for being a cheat and telling him to go away as they were doing at the, at the game on Tuesday. But Suarez is just doing what Suarez does. He's desperate to win. He could do anything to win. You know, you've seen some of the stuff he's got up to playing for Liverpool in the past. And Liverpool fans were just responding in type because they knew that if we can unsettle him, we're going to do this. I'm pretty sure if Suarez comes back in five years' time, I think he'll be get treated, you know, fine. Comes and say he plays in a Legends game. I don't think anyone's going to have a go at him. No. I, yeah, I, I just want to. It was it was funny being sat there listening to Anfield. 50 odd thousand calling him a cheat and and some other choice <laughs> words in his direction because. It, it was just a bit weird because you were thinking it's hard to believe that what was it you know five years ago he was the absolute icon wasn't he and the, the hero of the cop and it just shows how you know that's football isn't it in terms of how things change and um, you know I, I, I think he deserved that hostility 
simply because of... And I think it was a lot worse in his direction. One, because Liverpool fans knew he was a threat. Coutinho... I don't know, I didn't even... I, didn't even, I don't think there was any, was there? Really because he, just wouldn't, he was yeah. hardly on the ball, was he? I mean, he had there that one, one shot little, first half, There was like he? a little flick where he like flicked the ball and it was a lovely little moment and I thought, oh God, he yeah. might be doing something tonight. But then, as the yeah. Spanish press said, he was invisible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it was inside about 20 seconds. Trent challenged with him and won it and there was a big, a big roar to that. And then I think Coutinho's last act was being dumped on his backside by Fabinho and then he was... He was hauled off again, and yeah, he was. That was a sweet moment as well. You felt from the cop just seeing him, sort of. Yeah, you know that because Scrambling obviously the way he left and everything. Well, for being you're, ta- you're very mean. No, no, I just feel like obviously this is a very dark side that we have. No, no, I just feel like this is what we need to be like because if we're going to win the Champions League final, we need to look at Real Madrid how they've yes. done it. Them, we need to do it. I, I'm not the bit, you know. Yeah, I'm there's trying no to be room. A nice there's no person, room for but, sentiment mm. on nights like that. No, Anfield had to be hostile, and it was. It was. It, it, you want it to be a really unwelcoming place for opponents, no matter what they've given your club previously. And um, I do think Suarez's antics in the first leg just, just enhanced the, the stick that he got. I don't think it would have been quite on that scale if he hadn't conducted himself so disgracefully in the new Camp. The new Camp. And obviously, I haven't been in his press conference the day before when he, he said, um, I, I'm sure there'll be a lot more applause than whistles. <laughs> and uh, I was just chuckling to myself when I think he, I think he actually kicked the game off, didn't he, Suarez? Well, I was, I was yeah. gonna, to like I was 50, say, yeah. 50 odd thousand people jeering him. And, <laughs> um, and I actually think it did affect him because, especially second half, he went AWOL. The, um, he, he didn't want to know, you know, and he was, he was one player that you, you're still, even at 4 0, you're thinking, you know, you wouldn't put put it past Suarez. You know the way that he is with just that. You know, he just never stops, does he? But you know, he, I think he had. I think I think I think it, I think the treatment he got did get to him because I, I think I think he genuinely thought he would be welcomed back as some kind of returning hero, and I think it was a bit of a rude awakening for him. I mean, I'd never heard uh, Anfield like that at the start of a game to be jeering and whistling. I've somebody heard whistles kicking like off, that for a long time. somebody kicking off, and I think. The fact that Suarez kicked off—it'd been any other player. I don't think they would have done it because Suarez kicked off. He straight away without a ball even being kicked, just standing over the ball to kick off. He set the tone. He set the agenda. He set the atmosphere because before then it had been loud, but it hadn't been anything like that, had it? Yeah, I think I think where he'd gone wrong is on the day before he said, didn't he, that he thought he was going to get a good reception, and he talked about the Melwood kitchen ladies uh, <laughs> and bought presents for his kids. And how, how that kind of like, you know, he was still part of the family and, and he still had that close bond and being Liverpool captain a few times was one of the proudest things of his career. And yeah, I think he might have just slightly misjudged the mood amongst the wider <laughs> fan base. I yes, absolutely has, loved... Go on. Are we fighting here for the money? Ladies first. I'll win. Um, I love that he said he weren't going to celebrate at Anfield and then he didn't get the chance to anyway. <laughs> He's right about that. Um, well, that's what happened at the start. Moving on from the, from the jeers at the start. Kiva, how special were those scenes after the final whistle? Um, it just it just seemed to be such a great moment with Klopp, all the players, all the backroom staff in front of the cop. Yeah, well, I was in the, I don't know what we'll call it, the Sir Kenny Dalglish stand, as it is. And I was like right by the cop and like quite close to the pitch. And it was sort of like in line with where they were lining up. And I don't know, when Alderman had like dropped to the floor near me and I was just watching him at the end and like just, oh, and he was holding his face and just like, wow. And then a few people ran over to him and, it was just like them last, I think it was five minutes stoppage time. Even the 11 minutes from time, wasn't it? 
from when Origi scored, it felt like an eternity. It felt like the, I kept looking back at the club. I was like, I'm just teasing myself. I need to just like, I think I stayed <laughs> in the same position because I was thinking if I move, like something will go wrong with the world and they'll score. So I was like, just staying, hoping for, hoping for, hoping for. A bit for, of chaos yeah. theory though, yeah. <laughs> I know, superstitious. Um, it, just oh, amazing. And when um, George played Imagine, that was just some moment because it was sort of like, you know, people were sort of dwindling out then just, you know, celebrating the little groups. And then most people in there were singing Imagine John Lennon. It was just like a really, you know, teasing your eyes moment of just like, wow, we just beat Barcelona 4-0 when we thought this was never going to happen. It's happened. And just to see that togetherness and obviously West Brom have done that tweet today about the 2-2 draw mm. when all the Klopp got the the players to celebrate in front of the cop. It went more of a celebration that night. It was more of thanks to the fans for staying in because I think they'd left early in a, in a game before that. Who scored the uh, equaliser that day? Diva Carigi. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was, it was just lovely to see and it weren't really, you know, they would just seem to, and when they were singing You Never Walk Alone, I watched it back before and I was like, oh my God, this actually really happened. <laughs> like, me, me stomach keeps dropping every now and then going, oh my God, it really happened. Like, just... Just you can't even I can't even explain how how amazing it was to be there and witness that. And even like the stewards, like I gave a steward the woman on the way out, she was hugging everyone and it was just like and there was like a steward on the pitch and like putting the thumbs up and like even like, you know, everyone in there was just like they they knew they were part of something just quite quite miraculous really. A magical, magical night. You gonna say Klopp said well, I think it was the Dortmund game, wasn't it, where he said you could smell it. You could feel it in the air. And the interesting thing, at the start of the game on Tuesday, you couldn't. But the longer it went on, the more you could sense that something was happening. Because it was, as we've all said, nobody really thought they were going to do it. But then the minute you see the game and it, the way it's unfolding, and you, you're thinking, hang on a minute, this could be happening. And as James said before, Barcelona just, they just completely froze in the end, didn't they? I think the other thing we've got to say is, well, Klopp said afterwards about, <clears throat> yeah, it was, it was heart and desire and all this kind of stuff. It also needs to be like some kind of tactical plan as to how Liverpool were actually going to approach this game. Mm. They couldn't just go out and just go for it from the, the first whistle. They had, there was a way that they had to do it, and especially with the players, as James said, that were missing, and then losing Robertson, and then Henderson was on half a leg for most of the second half as well. <laughs> that, they got through it in a way where... I'd have to disagree with Kiva, which is... You'd be, oh. you'd be surprised to hear me say that. Um, but in <laughs> the, last, the last 11... I was saying to James after the game, those five minutes injury time, I wasn't in any way bothered by what was happening. I just could not see Barcelona doing anything. I think they'd completely and utterly gone. And they'd gone in terms of their legs as well. I think after the game, the first game, Messi said something to the Spanish press about he'd never been so exhausted after a game. That's the one where they won 3-0. And while we've said, you know, he actually was still running around with the final, there was an awful lot of other players that weren't. I mean, PK, 70 minutes, he just completely stopped. I mean, Alba just looked like, you know, and he's, met, he's the, one of their fastest players. He didn't look like he could run by the end. And it weren't just them, though. There was one or two others. And in midfield, Rakitic, what did he do? You know what I mean? Mm. It's like, these are, these are world-class players that were just made to look irrelevant in, in a game where, you know, Liverpool wasn't just about all the heart and passion. It was about actually the, the tactical nous and their talent and their, their application and their execution. Mm. I will come to you last on this one, Doyley. We'll start with you, Jay. Is there any preference tonight as to who you'd like to see go through to be Liverpool's opponent? Not massively, although if you push me for an answer, I'd say Ajax, mm. just because 
I think it's a more mouth-watering prospect of facing Ajax in a European Cup final than facing Tottenham. Um, but you know, the reality is that Liverpool will be favourites in the final, whoever goes through. Um, and rightly so, because it's such a different feeling to Kiev last year, where that was just this kind of like you know, amazing ride that came out of nowhere and gathered this you know, unstoppable momentum that um, that carried them all the way to the final. And, and then, you know, you had Real Madrid, Ronaldo lying in wait, and then everything that could have gone wrong that night did. You know, this time around, this is a Liverpool team who have got back there on absolute merit and have proved, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that they, they belong at the absolute highest level in European football. So, um, you know, I think... I think definitely there's no doubt that whether it's Tottenham or Ajax, they will be fearful of what this Liverpool team could do to them because you know it doesn't get much more scary for an opponent to see Liverpool do what they did to Barcelona because um, you know it's just just absolutely unprecedented. I know, I know. Obviously, you could see I think in that second half that the Barca players had the memories of what had happened to them against Roma last season. You know, in their minds, but you know, all, all, you know, all we've been told, and you know, I was in Valverde's press conference on the day before the game, and he, he said, "Oh no, no, you know, lessons have been learned from that. This is a stronger Barcelona team." Um, you know, so so for Liverpool to do that, and as we said before, I think it was about grit and desire and, and and energy and all the rest of it but you can't underplay the tactical plan that, that Klopp came up with as well because getting the balance right between being on the front foot and not leaving yourselves exposed w- w- was such a tricky one but he got it absolutely absolutely spot on it was like the the perfect display of kind of controlled aggression mm. I think Jay's right there Kiva whoever um Go straight to face Liverpool. They've got a very, very tough battle on their hands. Who, who would you prefer? I mean, Ajax have had some big scalps in this competition, but Liverpool have beaten Spurs a couple of times this season. Is there, is there a clear preference? I don't think it matters because I'm convinced Liverpool's name is on the trophy. I'm, I'm convinced we're winning it after last night. We, we can't not now. We can't follow this through, and we've, we've got to, haven't we? Um, but probably Ajax, just like James says, because it's sort of the mouthwater and prospect of all their, their young lads and. I feel like we'll win it because they've got maybe... I know they've obviously beat Juventus and Real Madrid, but they've got a slight lack of experience probably in a final like that where we've been there last year. You know, remember, was it Gareth Bale saying to Lallana, like, how did you sleep like the night before the final in Kiev? And I think Lallana obviously didn't didn't sleep. They didn't sleep well. But this year, I feel like they'll know sort of, you know, what's going to happen. So I don't think it matters too much. I don't really want to face Tottenham just because... I don't want Tottenham to win their first ever European Cup and us, us be on the losing end of that because we'd never hear the end of it. Also, Pochettino would have some time to come up with some nuisance of a plan and I feel like it might just be not not a good thing. But yeah, fancy Ajax because it'd be, be quite fun in Madrid, wouldn't it? Loads of uh, Scousers <laughs> and Amsterdam, all the Amsterdam heads over. And then Ian Doyle, uh, your favourite subject, your special subject, Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, is it them or Ajax for you? I can't believe you're asking me that question. <laughs> I really can't believe you're asking me that question. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Tottenham, the Ian Doyle derby, as it would be known. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, they'd definitely yeah, yeah. call it that. All three you, of them. you would, you would. Um, There'll be half and half, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> no, half and half, no, no. Um, I think it's irrelevant anyway. I think Ajax are going to win against Tottenham. It's not whether I prefer one or the other. I think 
everybody's right. I'd rather not play Tottenham because Pochettino will come up with some master plan. Harry Kane could be fit then as well. He does like a goal against Liverpool. And, it, you know, he, he would be the story in terms of Tottenham. Uh, but Ajax, it was something different as well for the fans. They haven't played Ajax for a very long time. In fact, when was the last time they played Ajax? Was it? Did they ever played them in that time when Johan Cruyff was playing? You remember this, James? 1966, something like that. <laughs> anyway. I mean, you just uh, have to look into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think that may be the only time Liverpool have played them, I think. Certainly in a competitive game. They've, they've played some friendlies, yeah. haven't they, in the, the old, what was it, the Amsterdam Cup or something like that? Or, yeah. yeah. Um, but I'd sooner play Ajax. Tottenham as well. Keeper's right. If, if Tottenham win, no. I can't be doing with that. The, I mean, the, the whole build that would be a nightmare for me. Anyway, so... Mm. For my own good, Ajax have to beat Tottenham. <laughs> they have it, Ajax all round. Um, and we'll leave it there. The Reds upset the odds last night and another chance to do so again at the weekend on Sunday. So we shall see how that goes and we will return later in the week to look forward to that one. Uh, and whatever happens, we've got something very, very exciting to look forward to on June the 1st. Uh, so see you next time. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.